Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. Okay, we are starting this week again with the coaching carousel. Not as much action this week. I would expect some more in the the next couple weeks. But uh, Syracuse (laughs) did fire Dino Babers after eight years. It's crazy that he was there for, for that long. Did you agree with the move? What candidates do you like? What do you think, Trey? I mean, I'll just start with agree the move. Like, yes, I agree with it. It's just amazing. He was one of those like, it was just an amazing tenure where he sandwiched that one kind of amazing year in there that you just had to had to retain him. Yeah. And then Eric Dungey. And then, he ha- and then they had that knack for like the, at least the last couple of years, or maybe it's just kind of in my brain. They they have this knack for like starting. 4-0 or something non-conference. Oh, even, yeah, like, yeah, even better. Like they, they, they tease you. They're like, okay, they figure, like, you know, okay, they're not like going to make the playoff or anything, but okay, they're, they're with it this year. And then they just like completely lay an egg in conference, like not even competitive. It's just, it was so bizarre. So, you know, it was, it was time. Yeah. I think it made sense too. I, I saw another podcast talking about how like, hey, isn't this kind of what Syracuse is? It's not as if he's underachieving, which may be true, but I think that's when you, especially when you have a guy for eight years, you're trying to look for the guy who will overachieve, who who will elevate the program at least for a few seasons. And it's it's clear that kind of basically other than that one ten and three year or whatever it was, uh, with Eric Dungey. It, it wasn't happening. So you might as well take a gamble on the next guy. He could be worse than Dino Babers. It's not like Dino Babers was terrible, but it could also be better. I think it's worth a gamble. Um, and as far as candidates, I mean, you got to take your shot at Jamie Chadwell, I think, from Liberty and, and Willie Fritz at Tulane. There's so many candidates you could list. There's a ton. One that seems realistic is Sean Lewis, who was, of course, Kent State's oh, head yeah. coach and then Colorado's OC this year until... Uh, Dion demoted him, but <laughs> he did a great job at a tough place to win Kent State. So I think he he'd be a, a decent hire. And he, I mean, we no one knows the whole story with that, but I feel like he he's going to be sought after. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's get to our takeaways from last week. I'll get us started here. And unfortunately, it's a starting off on a sour note. Uh, Jordan Travis, yeah. you know, had a horrific leg injury against north alabama and of course will be out for the season and you know sucks for him obviously to for the season to end that way if as far as you know if florida state goes undefeated they're still in of course into the playoff committee is not gonna not gonna leave them out but without jordan travis that becomes significantly more difficult because if you look at the implied odds of you know each of their next two games at florida and then against louisville in the conference title there's just under a 50% chance that they'll win both, uh, you know, according to the, the spreads that you can look at now. So it's, you know, basically a coin flip as to whether that happens. And if they do have a loss, you'd think the committee's going to take any excuse to leave them out with, yeah. without it's almost like Travis. a loss and a half. Yeah. 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 No, I'm with you. That was too bad. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to touch on, you know, one of the marquee games last week was Georgia, Tennessee. And we, you know, we, we've been talking about Georgia a lot recently, but they, they crushed the Vols. Uh, it was 38 to 10. I mean, and the Vols, it's funny, they scored, you know, that first play of the game, they scored that long touchdown. You think, oh, here we go. But from that point on, 38 to 3, um, you know, the Vols, the takeaway, they just, they couldn't piece it together this year. Hendon Hooker, you, you realize, was, was pretty special and amazing last year. Everything kind of just fell into place and clicked. Um, 
but Georgia, like it just needs to be reiterated how good their offense really is. I don't, I don't think people are really, I think people are starting to come around to that, but yeah. it's a pretty amazing that, you know, you lose Stetson Bennett, who was there for a couple of years. Uh, Carson Beck is playing better. You have a new offensive coordinator. No, no problem. The off- offense is currently ranked fifth in SP plus fourth in ESPN's efficiency metric. They finished 11th last year. So it's, it's a pretty good, you know, healthy uptick. And it's just amazing how good Carson Beck is. Like he could yeah. now be a first round quarterback this year, the way he's playing uh, the last four games. He against the toughest teams that they've played. He's got nine touchdowns, one pick just came off a game against Tennessee worth 80, 80% completions. Like, them as a team, they're obviously peaking, but that offense is amazing. Yeah, it is crazy, and I'll, I'm going to take the opportunity with Ryan not here to throw him under the bus. Uh, we were, I think, he was in charge of, of ranking the uh, SEC quarterbacks before the season oh. <laughs> uh, in our our off season episode. I want to say he had Carson Beck. I don't know. I, I don't remember. But let's say that yeah, sounds familiar. It was something like that, and of course, in hindsight, it looks extremely bad, but. Even though I disagreed with it at the time, it was reasonable because we just didn't know, right? Right when you could you could kind of yeah. put him anywhere because you just didn't know. Uh, but man, he's uh, he's been, you know, one of the the two or three best quarterbacks in the con. I mean, behind Jaden Daniels, but off the top of my head, can't think of anybody else that he's he's behind. It's been impressive. Um, okay, let's uh, let's see Heisman race update on that. It is looking, you know, never say never, but it's looking like a three horse race. And Jaden Daniels is has become the favorite uh, after an eight touchdown performance and over 500 yards of total offense against Georgia State this weekend. So Brian Kelly was clearly yeah. he's gunning for that Heisman, right? Kind of all their their big goals for the season are gone, but getting Jaden Daniels a Heisman would be would be pretty cool. Uh, Bo Nix had six touchdown passes against Arizona State, and he's sort of a, a co favorite now, just behind. Jaden Daniels, though, um, which is pretty crazy. You throw for six first half. Was it all in the first half? I didn't realize that. I think he, I think he tied an Oregon record with six touchdowns in the first half. I have to look back. I don't know if one of those was rushing, but <laughs> wild. I don't, I don't, I don't think he had a rushing touchdown. If I remember, so then it so might have been all six passing all, in the yeah. first half. Wow. So yeah, think about doing that, and then you're you become the favorite. He was the favorite for the Heisman before the weekend, and then is now the second favorite after after doing that, but. Um, Michael Penix is hanging in there around six to one and his numbers just the second half of the season have, I mean, they're good, but relative yeah. to those guys have been, have been modest and, you know, they didn't have a, a huge game against Oregon state, but got the win, uh, 22 to 20 and the weather conditions were tough. So all things considered, he, he still played really well. It was six touchdown passes in the first half. Wild. They were a 42 nothing. <laughs> crazy yeah. but yep heisman all right uh all right so my next takeaway is on colorado um i'm just i'm curious what people feel for colorado's future at the at this time like we all know how amazing the hype was that that first you know few weeks of the season got a little out of hand they were you know in hindsight and kind of at the time you knew they were beating teams that that aren't that good um, this week, then Friday night, they just got smashed by Washington state, gave up 56 points. Wazoo actually kind of took their foot off the gas. Um, so Colorado, they're four and seven and you know, the over under, I think was three and a half wins going into the year. Um, and, and you look at 
they were fortunate to win a couple of those games, but you know, they did. So looks like they're going to finish four and eight. They're a three touchdown dog this weekend. Um, and kind of those predictions of trouble on both sides of the line, it, it obviously came to fruition. Um, you know, and we, and like I mentioned earlier, we don't know the whole story of the demotion of Sean Lewis, but it doesn't look good from the outside. Like it just seems like there's some turmoil within the locker room there and he's obviously going to hit the portal again to address the needs, but now I'm kind of curious if there's going to be people that kind of jet out of it. Um, and, you know, you look at it like, is Shadur going to stay if he does? And and then next year he leaves? Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know how this thing's going to end up working. Like a few weeks ago, I'm like, wow, Colorado's going to be like the next best thing. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't bet against Dion, but I can also see this flaming out. That's kind of what I thought going yeah. in. But now I'm kind of back in that same spot. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of it's been a roller coaster because I was definitely as uh, a doubter before uh, as as far as year one. I wasn't a doubter necessarily of Dion in the long yeah. run there, but year one was a doubter, and then the first two weeks were just unbelievable, winning at crazy. TCU, murdering Nebraska, and mostly thing or yeah, that was those were the first yeah, two weeks, right? It. Yeah, and things have mostly been going poorly since then. Um, but the other thing is recruiting is I was expecting even if things went poorly on the field that recruiting would be going really well. And their high school recruiting right now is going very poorly. Like they, they don't have a good class going at all. They don't have many players committed. And so it's going to depend a lot. I mean, maybe they can close well, but also the yeah. portal, like he's got to get some, some really good guys there to, to start feeling good about next year. So yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, that's what I, that's just my takeaway. It's like, I don't know. It just, it's, you know, a few weeks ago, I thought it would have been to the moon and now I'm just kind of more reserved. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, surprising scores of the week. Uh, let's see. We've got New Mexico state at Auburn oh was the most gosh. surprising by far <laughs> oh 31 to 10, just an embarrassing loss at home for Auburn. They were favored 25 and a half. That was the second biggest spread upset of the of the year. Do you know what the biggest oh, uh, one was, Trey? Uh, I'm really hoping you do because I don't. <laughs> oh, I, gonna, no, I don't I, remember. What's, what was the biggest one? Oh, I know we talked about it at some point on this podcast. I'm sure we did. Well, go ahead. I'll try and do some okay. research. Give me a hint uh, if, you, if you do find it. So yeah. anyway, a uh, lot of work for, for Hugh Freeze to do, but he can erase that this weekend with a win in the Iron Bowl. Everyone will forget about this this loss. Uh, next one, Arizona 42, Utah 18. Not surprising that Arizona won. They were two-and-a-half-point favorite, but winning by 24 is just crazy. Jed Fish, you mentioned this either last week or the week before. He should be on every Coach of the Year uh, watch yeah. list. And then, unfortunately, maybe the least surprising of these three, UCLA third. USC 20 is by 18 as a five point favorite finishes the season seven and five. So very disappointing result there. I think people are overreacting a little bit in their assessment of, of Lincoln Riley's coaching ability, kind of given his, you know, fairly long track record at Oklahoma and then an absolutely incredible year one turnaround where he almost made the playoff last year. So I'm not ready to just, you know, call him a fraud after, after one, uh, disappointing season, but as a USC fan, I I am concerned about the path forward. Given that recruiting isn't going amazingly well, and uh, and yeah, we're you're going to lose Caleb Williams. I know Lincoln Riley always has the next Heisman winner, but maybe maybe next time there won't be one. So anyway, 
did I stall enough for you to get? No, nah, I can't. I can't find it yet. I, what All was right. the? I don't. I'm trying to. I don't know that the Georgia Tech Miami one couldn't have been that big. So, whatever. I'll try and look. All right, I'll <laughs> I'll shift. We'll keep that. We'll keep just playing tennis on that one. Um, all right, my last takeaway is on David Braun of Northwestern. He has done a heck of a job to get this Northwestern team to be – they're 6-5 and five right now. They beat Purdue this past weekend. You know, he inherited the mess with the firing of longtime coach, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, of course. They were – but the thing is, they were 1-11 last year, couldn't do a thing. And this year, they've beaten teams like Maryland and Wisconsin. And what's crazy is they lost by a field goal to Iowa – had they won that, they'd be playing this upcoming weekend to win the West. With that's crazy against just Illinois. Like this team, they were preseason eighty fifth and SP plus last in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, sometimes it's it's underwhelming or not great to hire the you know the interim guy that that he is, but he's proven that he at least deserves the shot to see see what he can do with this program. Now it's been very impressive. Agreed. I was. I, I have. I've also. Oh wait, wait. Texas State over Baylor, twenty six and a half. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. It is that is there familiar, but I was not going to come up with that. No. Right in the nick of time, I got that. That's perfect okay. timing. So let's uh, let's go on to to week thirteen here, and the way we're going to look at this rivalry week is we will uh, go conference by conference and kind of give you the conference championship scenarios if and some of them are already set so i'll start us out with the acc which is already set it's going to be uh florida state against louisville that's already clinched but each of them playing in a rivalry game this weekend kentucky at louisville cardinals are favored seven and i'm going to go with them i just have a policy right now not to bet against jeff brahm and kentucky's lost five of six you know i i don't trust devin leary going up against a, a good louisville defense so Louisville's the pick. And then Florida State minus six and a half at Florida. Not only is Jordan Travis hurt, but on the other side for Florida, Graham Mertz uh, hurt his collarbone as well. So he'll be out. And so it's Tate Rodemaker for FSU, Max Brown for Florida. I just think with, you know, relatively inexperienced quarterbacks, Rodemaker is going to have an easier time here because Florida State's defense or Florida, sorry, his defense is 95th in espn's efficiency whereas florida states is 10th so maybe those are gonna you know matter even more going up against these quarterbacks yep <clears throat> i can't but by the way i can't believe it's rivalry rivalry week i i hate time it i'm in a war with time it, it goes way too fast like it can't be yeah. the end of the regular season right now it just makes no sense it is it is crazy like oh it was just august it was just week zero all right um, we'll shift over to the Big 12 then. So the race in the Big 12 has a chance to be an absolute mess with with tiebreakers here, but you've got four teams still in the mix. you got Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. Texas is in the best shape because even if they lose this week, they, they still also have a small chance to to get in the conference title. But here's the, the most likely scenario for them. If they beat Texas Tech this weekend, they're a near-two-touchdown favorite. They're in. They're good. Oklahoma State also controls their destiny. If they beat BYU, they're in. They're a 17 and a half point favorite. So looks pretty solid that it might be Texas and, and Oklahoma State. Now, here's where it gets interesting. If Oklahoma State loses and Oklahoma beats TCU, the Sooners get in. Kind of straightforward there. 
that's mm-hmm. assuming Texas also wins. So a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff there. But Kansas State though, they need to to beat Iowa State, which obviously they could do. But they then they need Oklahoma to lose to TCU and Oklahoma State to lose to BYU. So not entirely likely. But where it gets really crazy is if Texas loses. So I'm not going to get into all the tiebreakers. I mean, go read them yourselves. But the most likely scenario in that case, if if Texas loses and everything kind of else goes according to plan, it would actually be a bedlam rematch, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Really? If, wow, I so. thought Texas, I haven't gone through all the tiebreakers. I thought Texas with a loss was a little safer than it's sounding like. Yeah, they they there's just, yeah, I mean, if the right team also lost, then they would obviously still get in. But um, yeah. yeah, it's not as controlling. But it's not a lock. No. So the most important game, I guess, overall is is Friday night with Texas, Texas Tech. The, the Longhorns favored 12 and a half. I'm actually going to take Texas Tech with those points, though. The Red Raiders, they've battled injuries, uh, but they've won three in a row now. Morton's kind of coming off a good game, their quarterback against UCF. Taj Brooks been running like a monster. And the Longhorns, they haven't been running away from from teams lately. Um, they're also a little banged up. Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, they should be back, but they left the last game against Iowa State a little nicked up. So I'll take the points. Okay. Yeah, it's it's hard to to lay a big number with Texas right now. Like their defense is so good, but they it just, is. they're not really, for the most part, killing teams. Okay. Um let's see. Should I go to the Big Ten then? Yep. Okay, we've got Iowa clinched the Big Ten West. It's just crazy as it is. Uh, they play at Nebraska, and Nebraska is favored one and a half. But no, no. I'm going to take Iowa to win in a heartbreaker. The total is 26 for, and a half now. Oh, yeah, that's right. So It, it keeps okay. getting lower. Oh, my gosh. It opened tying the record, but so it's gone down. It was as of earlier today. I'm pulling it up, but earlier today it was 26 and 26 a half. 26 and a half. And now it stands at... 26 and a half as we as we record monday night unbelievable, unbelievable. it's <laughs> like, very very believable like that's like both teams that's a bad half for team that's just nuts and uh okay so the big 10 east of course comes down to game of the year game of the century ohio state at michigan michigan favored uh three and a half with no jim harbaugh on the sidelines yet again that's right. So I'm taking Ohio State here, and I didn't think I would go against Michigan a couple weeks ago, but I'm just I'm not in love with how this offense has played the last couple weeks. You know, they went to Penn State. I'll give them a slight pass going to, you know, on the road, Happy Valley against a very good defense, but they didn't pass it effectively at all. Obviously, they just ran the rock. Um, they only had like 60 passing yards. Going to need to pass against Ohio State because they also have an elite defense. And last week against Maryland, who doesn't have the greatest defense, like they, they Michigan could have easily easily lost. McCarthy, fifty yeah. percent completions, threw a pick. They were held to less than three hundred yards. Like so, when I look at this game with Ohio State, they just they they seem to have a chip on their shoulder. I mean, clearly Ryan Day does. Um, their defense mm-hmm. obviously is incredible, number one in SP plus. And the, you know the team, they they just know they've lost two in a row to these guys. Day's feeling the pressure. I, I feel like they're going to play inspired ball because of that um you know we know that we've talked about their offense it's not the typical offense but they found a way to win all their games and the last couple of weeks even though they've played kind of the the 
bottom teams of the Big Ten, they've gained some confidence just dominating and getting Marvin Harrison involved. He's probably the best player on the field, so I'm going to kind of roll with him. Lower scoring game, I'll take the three and a half, and I'll make Ohio State my lock. All right. Nice. I am not going to make it my lock, um, but like you, I think a couple weeks ago, I for most of the season, I was thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take Michigan. Like If I have to lay a touchdown, yeah. I'm going to do it. But then... These last couple of weeks happened, and going into last week, even just before the Maryland game, I was yeah. the look ahead line was like six or something like that, and I was like, I got to take six with Ohio State just because their defense is so good. And after what I saw, how Michigan played against Penn State, I was like, I think this Ohio State Michigan game is going to be low scoring. Defenses are going to dominate. Doesn't seem like like yeah, I don't know about that Michigan passing game. Like they just haven't really unleashed it in these last two yeah. you know against penn state that would be the time to unleash it and i guess maybe they just felt like they didn't need it or maybe they didn't have the confidence in it i'm not sure but uh but yeah that was concerning performance offensively against maryland so uh yeah give me um ohio state obviously uh, if you're just asking me to pick money line i would i would take you know at even odds i would take michigan to win yeah. but um i think maybe they'll just ride the ride the running game trust their great defense against Kyle McCord and you know try and win a 17-14 type ball game we'll see yeah I, I hope it's entertaining yeah that's that is that's all I care about yeah all right so that's the Big Ten any other Big Ten we good uh no that's all all right so then I'll shift over to the Pac-12 uh a lot lot simpler scenarios here so Washington clinched a spot so so their Apple Cup against Washington State they're a 16 and a half point favorite. doesn't really matter other than, of course, for the, the playoff. Uh, but for the Pac-12 race, no, no impact. Um, so now it comes down to Oregon or Arizona, just like we all would have thought in the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, so if Oregon beats Oregon State in the Civil War Friday night, then they get the Washington rematch. And I think that's what a lot of people want to see. They're a two-touchdown favorite, what, 13-and-a-half-point favorite at home to Oregon State. Now, mm-hmm. if they lose, Arizona gets the spot if they beat Arizona State as a 11-and-a-half-point favorite. So, anyways, for the, back to the Oregon-Oregon State game. What are, you, what are you seeing in that one, Mike? Well, uh, part of me is – well, I think it's hard to say what I'm cheering for here, but – yeah. Um, I mean, an Oregon win would be great because that Oregon-Washington rematch would be incredible. A lot of it's funny. You, a lot of in, in in some of these big games, I'm I'm looking ahead to the next big game. Yeah, because I'm like that will be even bigger if, if Oregon wins that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, an upset would be fun too. But uh, one bonus of the upset here, if Oregon State does win, is then that territorial cup. Uh, what is it? The next day? Uh, I'm not sure yeah, the order of these. It, uh, yeah, it would, it would be, be the next day. Uh, that would be awesome. That, that would be great yeah. as well. <laughs> so anyway, I've been extremely high on Oregon this year. Um, at least, yeah. Well, second half of the season, at least. Which, uh, yeah, join join everyone else when it matters has eyeballs. So <laughs> no, I mean, but uh, but I mean that is a lot of points. Thirteen and a half. So it's tougher it to take them. But I am going to do it. Uh, their defense is second in the Pac-12 in success rate against the pass and the run. So. Don't see DJU or Damian Martinez really having a, a big game here. And when you look at Oregon State on the road this year, barely beat Colorado, lost at Arizona, had a shootout against Cal that they were, you know, oh, yeah. was, it was a game till the end, lost at Wazoo. It's going to be an insane environment at Otson. I think I, I'll take Oregon to win by two touchdowns. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I kind of see the same where like this situation, I normally would take Oregon State in this spot, but I just don't want to get in front of this Oregon team, uh, especially last week, Oregon State. I know the, the weather was kind of iffy, but they turned it over three times against a poorer Washington defense. Now they're going on the road to to face a very good Oregon defense. Like and and even if they got into a, some form of a shootout, I don't I don't see them keeping matching scores with Bo Nix in Oregon. So I'm uh, I'm going with the Ducks. Okie doke. Um, SEC. We have Georgia Alabama already being clinched, and you can bet on that right now. Georgia is favored four um but first game uh we got of the weekend is the egg bowl Ole miss is favored 11 at mississippi state i will lay the points mississippi state has been blown out by a&m kentucky auburn lsu alabama this year basically every almost every good or mediocre team that they've played so uh i know they had a nice win over southern miss with the (laughs) the interim coach but you know, it's hard to take much from that. So I just don't think their offense can keep up. As then long as Ole Jordan. Miss doesn't pee in the end zone, they they should they should win. That could affect things for sure. It's been known to happen. <laughs> Georgia is favored twenty four at Georgia Tech. Hard to bet against Georgia right now, the way they're rolling, but I'll take the points with with uh Georgia Tech. They're quietly five and three in conference they're playing pretty well offensively and maybe georgia will take their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter you know they've got the sec championship next uh following week they don't uh they don't need to to get style points here against georgia tech um then we've got the iron bowl and alabama's favored 15 at auburn i don't care that they lost at home against new mexico state they can get up for this game (laughs) hugh freeze can uh you know, scheme some things up offensively to at least uh, get enough points to, to hang in there. And their defense is good, so I think they'll slow the game down and cover the spread. Hopefully, hopefully one of these big, like hopefully Alabama-Auburn, Oregon State-Oregon, one of these big spread games ends up being a close one, a nail-biter. Yeah, I'm with you. That'd be fun. All right. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I got one more, got? one more SEC game I got to add because... Yeah. I, I have to lock it up. I am making Ooh. LSU minus eleven over Texas A and M. They're just my lock. Lay it on. They're pouring it on. It's yeah. It is solely because Brian Kelly and I are aligned in this. Like he's <laughs> if he's up two scores in the fourth quarter, he's not taking his foot off the gas. He yeah. is. He's getting Jaden Daniels the Heisman, or he's trying to. So I like that alignment. Yeah, that's good. All right, we'll go. Uh, we'll shift to the American. Uh, it's come down to three teams. They're currently all seven and zero. You got Tulane, SMU, and UTSA. Uh, but it should be fairly straightforward though, because SMU is a twenty and a half point favorite over Navy, and if they win, they're in. So that looks pretty good. But then Tulane and UTSA, they actually play each other on Friday, so they'll they'll determine the opponent. But if SMU somehow lost as that big favorite, then it would come down to a composite of computer ratings to determine who would play the winner of that Tulane UTSA game. And it seems like SMU would, would have the advantage there, but I don't know how crippling a loss to Navy would impact that, but SMU looks pretty, pretty good right now. So as far as the, the big game, it's UTSA Tulane on Friday. Like I said, Tulane is a three point favorite, I'm going to take the Roadrunners, um, the underdog Roadrunners. I know there's chatter about Trailer, you know, interviewing for the A&M job, 
but they've been rolling lately with Frank Harris back in the fold. Tulane, you know, they're the defending champ, but but they've been playing with fire in recent weeks, just narrowly squeaking out wins. And they've had common opponents over the last five weeks. And UTSA's run has been a lot more impressive. I know it's a little transitive, but I've I've been more impressed with how they've been playing lately. Okay. Conference USA already decided it just as everyone predicted before the season, New Mexico State is in the conference oh title. Jerry at, Kill. Yeah, at Liberty. Just Jerry Kill is you know, what we talked wizard. about um Jed Fish being in the Coach of the Year conversation. Jerry Kill, maybe even more impressive, probably even more impressive of a job. Because New Mexico State's one of the the worst, oh. you know, college football programs out there. And to have them in a conference title is is crazy. They do uh, host Rich Rod's Jacksonville State this weekend, which would be a play-in game for the title. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, they both have the same record in conference, but Jacksonville State with the move up to FCS they're not getting the love that uh, James Madison is uh, yeah. in terms of getting screwed over by the NCAA or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but yeah, they, they also can't make it. But I'll say New Mexico State and Diego Pavia, uh, you know, make it no asterisk and they get the W. I like it. All right. Uh, the Mac. Uh, the Mac is all set no matter what happens this week. It's Toledo in the West. They're 7-0 and currently. And Miami of Ohio in the east they're six and one and honestly looking ahead to next week it should be a great rematch because toledo just narrowly beat miami ohio earlier this year so should be a fun one okay going to the mountain west and this one's interesting there are four schools still in the hunt and they all they play each other this this weekend so uh you've got air force playing at boise state on friday and then on saturday san jose state at unlv so all four are are still alive technically um unlv is you can basically count them in they they are likely hosting the mountain west title uh no matter what obviously with a win they are oh i'm sorry i didn't say their record so unlv has one loss on the season the other three have two losses so unlv in with a win um hosting and even if they lose um there's it would come down to computer ratings um, in in the tiebreaker scenarios, and they're so far ahead that that they'll they'll stay ahead. Hold on. So yeah, so yeah, they're going to host. So it just comes down to who's going to face them. So I'll take this in chronological order, kind of how we'll experience it this weekend. So the um, on Friday, like I said, Air Force at Boise State. Whoever wins that game would then be in if San Jose State beats UNLV. Or sorry, lose. Okay, all right. <laughs> you, can't, you can't mess up <laughs> well at the said. very beginning because there's so much. Okay, whoever wins the Air Force Boise State game is in if San Jose State loses to UNLV. Okay, so because that that would be simple. But if San Jose State beats UNLV, that's where it gets interesting because then San Jose State's computer rating would be compared to the winner of air force oh, boise yeah okay and so right now uh san jose state's computer rating is 67th you know i'm rounding here but 67th boise states is 62nd oh yeah and air, air forces is 50th okay so that means basically air force with a win is in because they're 50th and you know even if it win yeah san jose state could not pass them up in all likelihood well i don't want to say never say never but probably not there's 67th to 50th that would be a a big jump so but 
between Boise State and San Jose State, like if they both win, split hairs. That is definitely splitting hairs because San Jose State's rating of 67th, but then they're beating the 29th ranked UNLV, which is much more impressive than you know Boise State's win over Air Force. So that that would come that would be the most fun scenario. So I don't know if I mean I have this all in my brain because I looked at it for like 15 minutes, but yeah. hopefully that conveyed it to the listeners. Yeah, UNLV is looking good though, at least on one end. Yeah, my prediction, Boise State, by the way, they're like a six and a half point favorite over Air Force. So I think they will win that. And yeah, then Air Force is not playing good the last few weeks. No, they haven't. No. I mean, yeah, they, they look like a lock for the title game yeah. until a few weeks ago. Uh, UNLV is favored three against San Jose State. So I'll say UNLV wins. But both of those, I mean, yeah. those are not big spreads. They'll go either way. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the Sun Belt. Troy clinched the West Division. And now you got the East between App State and Coastal Carolina, since James Madison is obviously ineligible. Um, Coastal beat App State earlier this year, so they own the tiebreaker. But but here's the scenario: so Co- they have the same record. Coastal has to play James Madison as a nine point underdog. So even though they have the tiebreaker, they have to play James Madison as a nine point underdog. And App State is a nine point favorite hosting Georgia Southern. So advantage App State at, at, at the moment. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think App State is going to advance to the title game against Georgia. They're playing good now. Michael, you nailed it with your upset special last Thank week, you. I think, on App State. So Aguilar's been playing great. I'm, they're confident after the James Madison win. I don't think they're going to they're gonna screw it up. By the way, speaking of Aguilar, he is on my uh, college football fantasy team. We have a Patreon fantasy league, and... Trey, you and I, we're matching up in the in the championship game this weekend, right? We're, we're, you, it's, we made it. That's crazy. It doesn't even, when I look at my roster, my team doesn't even look that good. I don't know. <laughs> just somehow I've lucked my way into it a little bit. Yeah, same here. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's close out this episode then with a Thanksgiving-themed questionable finish. So this one comes from patron Joel. He says, you are planning a Thanksgiving potluck and need to invite three coaches uh, to bring a, a turkey, a side of their choice, and a dessert of their choice. Who are you inviting to bring each, both for the quality of the food and who you would be, who would be the most enjoyable to talk to and have a meal with? All right. So I'm going Mike Elko. He seems to love food. I'm having the turkey he's making. Might add some bacon or something. I don't know. There's something crazy. So I like that. Biff Poggi of Charlotte. Oh. He seems like a good time, like just to be around. Yeah, and that's he, a good and one. And he, he looks like he enjoys a meal as well. Like he'll probably have some potato dish or something brown, maybe mix some corn in or something. Uh, I'm, I'm with him just because I want to hear him talk. And then for dessert, I'm going with Nick Saban. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to mess up dessert. I mean, he might try and just bring his little Debbies, but whatever, yeah. you know, uh, but I'd love to talk to him and I would just love to see him react to seeing what Biff says. <laughs> oh, right, I'm silent here because you cut out. What, why do you want Nick Saban? I want, because, you know, I said, it, it, you can't really mess up the dessert. He might, he might just try and bring the little Debbies, but you know, that's fine. Whatever. But I just want to—I want to talk with him, and I just want to see him react to everything Biff says. All right, uh, I am going to 
uh, for the cooking a turkey, I think it's not an easy job. Like you need someone who's experienced, dependable. I'm taking Jim Harbaugh. Um, he's you know also going to provide as far as that's maybe maybe more so for him. It's providing more entertainment at the table and some some comedy there. Yes. And then and I can ask him about Connor Stallions. Get the you know get the <laughs> scoop on that. Uh, the side, I want somebody boring, someone who's just going to bring, like, we just need the standard mashed potatoes, maybe mac and cheese, one of those. So I'm going Jonathan Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm going to have big personalities there. I need someone who is, you know, a little bit less annoying that I can kind of, you know. Just flatline. Exactly. Dessert, we need somebody with charisma who can kind of hold their own in a conversation with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, not let Harbaugh dominate everything. So I'm going Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame. And it's a bonus because he's bringing two desserts. He's bringing, you know, pumpkin pie, oh, whatever no. he chooses. <laughs> and then he's bringing eye candy. <laughs> oh, no. I knew it. Yeah. When we get you two said snacks. that, I knew it. Two oh, snacks. my gosh. Oh, uh, my gosh. Next one comes from Kenny. <laughs> which coaches do you think could prepare a Thanksgiving feast and which coaches would have to order takeout? Okay, so Jed Fish looks like he has other hobbies. Like, he doesn't look like a head football coach. I could totally see him wearing an apron in the kitchen for some reason. And besides, honestly, I want whatever he's cooking right now. It's just turning into gold. Like, so I got Jed Fish. Now, for ordering takeout, I'm going to say Dion because he likes to outsource his stuff, goes in the portal. He'll definitely order takeout. But it would be the most expensive and greatest takeout you've probably ever had. Probably would fly in by helicopter or something. So that's where I'm leaning. Yep, that is in and out again here. But I think the listeners get it clear, so I won't ask you to repeat. Um, I want uh, a blue collar, hard nosed coach in front in charge of of cooking this feast because it's a like I said, it's a big job. So I'm going Kyle Whittingham and Chris Kleiman are, are two that I, I think can mm, do it. Yeah. I trust them. And then as far as who would order takeout, I'm looking for lazy coaches, which I don't, there's not really a college football head coach that's lazy, but the closest thing I could think of is, is Chip Kelly doesn't really seem to want to recruit high school yeah. players. It takes a lot of time. He just would rather recruit in a few weeks with those transfers. So uh, Chip Kelly would order takeout. And then also in LA, Lincoln Riley would order takeout, but that's because he would have burnt the turkey. You know, judging on what oh, he did with his uh, his brisket. Um, Shrew asks, which coach would be favored to finish a turducken by themselves? And I'm going to say Mario Cristobal at Miami, just because oh. he's huge. He's a big dude. Like he's not fat, but no, I don't think you could go with with someone fat. But I don't think you you need to do that. Like it's a uh, Competitive eating is a sport. Like you need to also you need to have the endurance. Yeah. So I think I think uh, Chris Ball would have the endurance. All right. Well, then my answer is a little more silly. Then I went with Brett Bielema. I thought that, that bigger, was another so. fine choice. <laughs> That's the other one I considered. Um, okay. Rutgers Todd says, "What are you most thankful for in the college football world this season?" Well, since it's you, Todd, I'm thankful that the that Rutgers and the Shiano man are going bowling um and of course i'm thankful for you todd very nice very nice me as well uh i am most thankful for well the fact that we haven't had upsets this year i mean i'm not thankful for that fact because i shouldn't say we haven't had upsets but we haven't had a ton of the top teams going down um 
but but that makes for a very exciting finish here. Like the next couple weeks, especially conference championship weekend, I think will be extremely exciting. So thankful for I think what is to come these next couple weeks. Uh, let's see. Last Patreon question we had was Chippewa's tie. He says backyard football dream team only using former Heisman uh, Heisman winners. Lead us off. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. I don't know how many players are on a. A backyard I football a team. I just went yeah. with a few. It's kind of like you I'm got a quarterback, like receiver, five or maybe so. a couple receivers. Yeah, you don't want it to get too crowded. So quarterback, I'm taking Caleb Williams. Like he is just, I consider Johnny Manziel as well. You just need someone who can kind of improvise back there and make the, you know, uh, you know, get some yep. time to to throw. And then I'm going to take uh, Devonte Smith because oh, he's yeah. definitely going to get open. Uh, same thing with Desmond Howard. Needed two receivers there. Barry Sanders, his speed would be unstoppable Ooh, yeah. in a game like this. <laughs> and then Charles Woodson. You got to have him because he can play both sides. You need to play defense. You know, you, you, know, you don't have a, a set defense. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, we thought along the same line. So I, I, backyard quarterback, I also went, I went with Kyler Murray. He can, uh, yeah, he, that works. He can improvise. Um, to, I, I stuck also to like the last, the 2000s basically. So I've got, uh, I went with, uh, Reggie Bush, uh, even I guess he technically doesn't have it, but whatever. I'm counting Reggie Bush. Yeah, stick him in the slot, or he can play defensive back. Um, Devontae Smith as well. Need that speed at receiver. Um, if there's tackling involved, or just want to show some physicality, I got to put Derrick Henry there. He's just going to be there to intimidate. So he'll, he'll probably have a shirt off. It'll just be crazy. So that's yeah, that's yeah, that's the, is a question. I I don't want tackling at my backyard. No, <laughs> even if it's like, flag though, he's just you don't want to you don't want to get in front of him. That's a good so. point. Yeah, he's. I'm not even going to try and reach for his flag if he's got a full head of steam. So yeah. okay. Good choices. Uh, wow, we went so long here on the question. We'll finish the music. We ran out of music, but upset special. Uh, I had App State last week. Who, like you said, you already gave me credit for that. Pulled off the upset Prompt. at James Madison this week. Give me Wazoo to win the Apple Cup Whoa. as a seventeen-point underdog. They just murdered Colorado. Uh, it's been a tough season for them overall after a strong start, but Cam Ward is still capable. And yeah. you know, Washington, like you said, with um, I forget who you mentioned had been playing with fire, but Washington's been oh, playing with fire too. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll finally, finally lose one, finally get burnt. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Boston College. They're getting eight against. They're hosting Miami. Miami just, I don't know. They just lost a big one to Louisville. Now they're going up to Cold Chestnut Hill. I don't. I don't think Miami wants to be there. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the College Football Bros. Hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Um, and we will talk to you next week when we're previewing conference championship weekend, and I'm sure going through some playoff scenarios. So we will talk to you then.